You're listening to Ageism is Never in Style, the podcast, sponsored by The Bias Cut, the first truly age-inclusive online style boutique. Hello, and welcome to this week's Ageism is Never in Style, the podcast episode, with me, your host, Jacinth Bassett founder of Ageism is Never in Style. Throughout this podcast series, we've taken on big topics, and today we dive into the world of activism and the critical role it plays in this vital movement to end ageism. Now, what do we mean by activism? Because it's a bit of a controversial word and one that not everyone responds well to. For some, it carries connotations of hostility and aggression, And in some cases, it has been co-opted by movements and individuals who might lean towards more extremist methods. But activism is simply describing the action of campaigning to bring about social change. And essentially for us here at Ageism is Never in Style, it means taking conscious steps against ageism. Because this really is vital. We need to call out ageism and proactively disrupt the norms so that we can change the narrative around ageing and eradicate prejudice and bias on the basis of age. And let's remember that activism can come in all shapes and sizes. It can mean creating or joining movements and communities, to partaking in social media campaigns like our global viral hashtag I look my age, or maybe it's participating in physical rallies and protests. Or it could be sharing your story, writing articles or letters to officials, wearing a badge, or just sparking a conversation with loved ones. Maybe it's even just having a conversation with ourselves to challenge our own internalised biases. After all, you're listening to this podcast right now, so perhaps, and hopefully, you'll be inspired by it to take action in some form or another. Because each and every one of us has it within us to be an activist and to take positive action to empower one another, disrupt ageism and drive positive change. So we are proud to call Ageism is Never in Style an activism campaign, And I was recently honoured to have personally been awarded Anti-Ageist Activist of the Year at the inaugural Advantages of Age Awards 2023. And one person who has continually inspired me throughout my journey of activism is Ashton Applewhite, which is why I'm honoured she's joining us today for this episode. An internationally recognised expert on ageism, Ashton Applewhite is the author of This Chair Rocks, a manifesto against ageism and co-founder of the Old School Anti-Ageism Clearinghouse, a platform that curates, creates, commissions and disseminates free resources to educate people about ageism and how to end it. It also hosts and facilitates spaces where age advocates around the world can connect, collaborating with other pro-aging organisations and showing up for other social justice movements. Ashton speaks wildly at venues that have included the United Nations and the TED main stage and is at the forefront of the emerging movement to raise awareness of ageism and to dismantle it. And in 2022, the World Health Organization named Ashton one of the Healthy Aging 50, 50 leaders transforming the world to be a better place to grow older. So it really is wonderful for Ashton to be joining us today. Welcome. Thank you. What a fabulous introduction. You're one of those people that has been at this for a long time, uh, despite being so young, which yes. I'm sure, <laughs> sure you hear a great I deal. I hear a lot. <laughs> um, yeah, sorry about that. That would be ageism. But you know what? It does come up and well, I'm hoping we'll dig into more, but it does come up quite a lot. I had it the other week and funny enough, then person corrected themselves and they said, I guess that's ageism. So it's that's good that perfect. we're able to you reflect know, like that. I mean, there is no question that we are seeing ageism in many more headlines as part of many more conversations. An analogy to that little story you just told is there's so much ageist stuff in the media here around old people being in political office, running for political office. Almost all these stories contain the phrase, sometimes in the headline, I know this is ageist. You know, or this is ages, but I'm going to go mm-hmm. ahead and say this. Ages but I'm going to go ahead. But yeah. yeah, but still, first steps, first steps of becoming aware of it. Exactly, nothing changes if we're not aware of it, and we haven't been thinking about age bias right. that long. So it is really um, un 
examined. I, I love, love, love your intro. Um, thank you for taking the bull by the horns around activism. A couple of thoughts on that? Yeah, please go ahead. The word does make people nervous. I have a friend who was doing a, a doctoral uh, study of women activists in, around climate change. Yeah. And uh, she was telling me about it. And I said, you know what you should call this? Because it is something every woman, and I'm not saying you're not just talking about women, but more, there are more women involved in yes. ages of advocacy. Absolutely. And every single woman she, she profiled what said, I'm not an activist, but... <laughs> it's like, <laughs> but I got my whole block to do such and such a thing, or I brought 200 yeah. people to whatever. Which or is activism. Wrote, <laughs> right. So there's some kind of reluctance. Maybe it's a yep. little bit gendered, but here's a very, uh, one one workaround is to th advocate. Advocacy. Advocates. That's, that's you know, considered a more... It's a, a little a gentler. Another thing, gentler. if you don't want to be anti-anything or you don't want to name ageism, you're pro-aging. Pro-aging. Like right? You know, you're, you're just, you're like, we're all on this journey and I'm not going to fight it. I'm going to learn about it and accept it and maybe embrace it, right? So there are there are ways around thinking that you have to be, you know, strap yourself to a pole in front yes. of the embassy in order to be an activist. Or burn our bras. Made... Not that there's anything wrong with doing that, <laughs> but, you know. We... No, it's utterly individual in how we do it. Yeah. And it's also not just how we do it, when we do it, but the scale at which we do it. Even mm -hmm. if we just make a a pledge um you know when we look in the mirror you know never the, never the high point of my day the first look in the mirror but you know what i'm going to try not to criticize myself about right. that you carry that out in the world if you change one little thing about yourself you you bring that awareness if you make one comment to somebody about you know if they say something ages and you say gee you know what do you mean by that and, mm. and make them reflect on it, that is changing the world. That is exactly. advocacy, that is activism. And you are making a difference because a movement needs a million voices and we each need to you know, learn about this stuff at our own speed and in our own way. So one of the things that actually comes up quite a lot, particularly interestingly with age, is this idea of being blind to something, mm. right? And we're more progressive. Once upon a say might say they're blind to gender or blind to race. I feel we're moving away from that now. Um, but in terms of age, there's still a lot of people who will say age is irrelevant. I don't want to take any notice of age. That is the way forward. Now, personally, I don't agree. I think age is relevant. It's just about redefining when and how it is. What do you think about that? You're giving me thumbs up, which means that I think you agree. <laughs> well, you know, one of the most helpful little sort of tricks or phrases that helped me with understanding why saying I'm colorblind, you know, yeah. I don't see race is not okay. First of all, it's just not true. We are, we are programmed to notice the ways in which the humans around us are like us and different from us. Mm -hmm. the, the, and we the, are different. The, we, we are different yeah. and that those differences and are a source of, of power and beauty and difficulty exactly. and they're what make life interesting and all the things. If you don't, quote unquote, don't see race, you don't see racism. Mm -hmm. If you yeah. don't, don't, don't see age, you know, you, hopefully what that means is that you are making a conscious effort not to have assumptions about age click into place once you notice someone's age, which is fantastic. That is the goal. But like yeah. you, Jess, and we, I want a world where age is out there. We say our age, it's not hidden. But I also yeah. want a world, this will sound funny, but in which age is demoted, in which it becomes, we acknowledge that it is much less, it tells us much less about the person than we mm -hmm. think it does. Right. And the older the person, the less that number socially, biologically, cognitively says about us. There's a huge difference between a one-year-old and a three-year-old, and even a yes. three-year-old and an eight-year-old in, in that sense, you know, mm -hmm. developmentally. Yes, developmentally, yeah. it, Stages of life, you, you know, all seven-year-olds are unique, but they are much more like each other behaviorally, cognitively, physically, socially, developmentally than 17-year-olds who are way mm -hmm. more different from each other yes. 
than 57 year olds and so on out. So, you know, I don't love ageless. I think it's a way of erasing this really Mm -hmm. important component of our identity. I don't love age is just a number because I think it's likewise erasing it, but it's, it's not a paradox while we want to bring that number have it not have it not be hidden have it not be a source of shame we also want to push back against yes. the fixed assumptions we want it to be just right. another thing about us like where we grew up what language we speak what sports teams we root for yeah where aging is a badge of honor that is a privilege that's not afforded to so many out there but equally it's not defining you in this stereotypical prejudicial way that society has created right and even even the honor thing is a little problematic for me you know when someone when a million year old stands up and says i'm a million years old and everyone applauds i kind of want to go poke them you know it's like it you can be a little a bit prize for being it? old yeah you get a prize yeah. for being human yeah you know but it, but age should be neutral not a source of pride not a source of shame not a reason to be given access not a reason to be denied access One of the things that I find is coming out a lot as this ageism movement is being talked about more is the different opinions within it. One of the things that comes up a lot is this idea of how you should age. So it could be, for example, you have to go grey or you can't have Botox. We see that a lot. Or there's examples where there are organisations who maybe when they focus on ageism, they say we're focusing on 50 plus And as we know, ageism can affect any ages, but they feel we've got to focus purely on 50 plus or in in America, it's over 40s is the protected class rather than all ages. What do you think about these different views? And is there a way that they can, can they sit alongside each other? Can they be reconciled with each other? Or is, is there too much of a clash? You know, when we first started the old school anti-ageism clearinghouse, we thought no one would pay any attention. So it was gratifying that lots of people were interested. And then we were flooded with submissions about sort of how to live longer, how to be healthy, how to age gracefully, how to not, you know, get gray, whatever. And we had to think hard and craft a very thoughtful response because of course we want to be inclusive. And the overarching point here is that anyone who is working to counter the predominant narrative that everything about getting older is awful, Mm-hmm. And to tell more more stories, more diverse stories of how we age is on the same team. We are mm-hmm. all on, you know, in the same boat. So I think they're they not only can these things live together, they do and they must. We are talking about the one universal human experience. Of course, there's going to be disagreement. And that's how we do it and what matters to us, which depends on where we live and class and, you know, gender and a million other things. So absolutely, it's going to contain all the things like the disability justice movement. I mean, think about that. That's everything from being in a wheelchair to being neurodivergent. Of course, there are different schools of thought. One very good piece of advice I got when writing my book was don't use the word should. Mm-hmm. And I have learned with difficulty, I'm still learning, to to try harder to meet people where they are, especially mm-hmm. when it comes to women's appearance, right? right. I don't say one word. I, I learned a harsh lesson from a woman who came up to me after a talk just for women, and she said, you don't get it. She said, if I didn't dye my hair, I'd lose my job. And I have children to support. Yes, and we've actually had women say to us that, that they have to dye their hair because they worry about losing their jobs. And you know what? Yeah. She's right. I didn't get it. And you know mm. what? It's not my job to tell her what she should or shouldn't do. Mm. There are no shoulds. There is no right or best way to age. Binaries are never our friend. So I think it's just, you know, we need to meet people where they are. The business about it being ageism being about older people or younger people is is divisive and unhelpful. Every so often someone comes up and says, well, I'm a victim of youthism or, you know, a very thoughtful post, adultism. Ageism is any judgment on the basis of age. I know you know this, right? Whether you are too young or too old and these labels, they just divide us. That said, it is absolutely the case that the Western world is obsessed with youth 
and that older people experience more age bias. But I feel very strongly that it is a struggle for everyone because everyone ages, because everyone encounters discrimination, especially women who are never the right age. First, we're too, you know, too flirty and sexy, you know, once we're adults, and then we're um, to be taken seriously, and then we're too fertile, and then we're not sexy or fertile anymore, which happens about five seconds later. So it is a struggle for everyone to get involved with in their own terms and in their own way. And just a point for that, you know, the World Health Organization launched a global anti-ageism campaign in 2021, and they've just switched the title around so that what was the hashtag has become the title, A World for All Ages. And that's really beautiful. And that's one. a world where your age is not held up as a, as a positive or a negative. It is an important but neutral fact about you. We see a lot of anger, particularly online. We know social media is a is a ripe space for that anyway. But we see a lot of anger with, with the word should. You mm-hmm. should she shouldn't be doing yeah. this or yeah. she shouldn't look like that or they should or shouldn't wear. Should or shouldn't, shouldn't do. wear. Or for example, we were accused of perpetuating ageism by putting up a picture of a supermodel in her fifties. And so apparently we shouldn't be doing that because that's perpetuating ageism and making people feel worse about themselves and ageing. Why do you think this keeps happening? What is it that's causing this negativity and this anger? It's it's massive global forces. Capitalism, first Mm. and foremost, paired with sexism, paired with ageism. If we look in the mirror and are happy with what we see, Mm -hmm. which happens approximately never, mm-hmm. um, you know, then we can be persuaded that, that, that wrinkles are a problem, that if we have bulges on our butt, that's a terrible problem. Or, or, or health also, that, that a natural transition like wrinkles right. um, is a problem or a, or a sign of disease, right? Um, normal ch- changes in your hormones, for example. And I'm not a doctor, and I'm not saying that you no. should. <laughs> but the message is, ah, something's, you know, this is bad. You need to do something about it. And that means that people can profit off it. And there are, I don't, I can't even imagine how many billion dollar corporations and markets at stake who lose money when older people are not comparing themselves to younger people, when, when 20 year olds on Instagram or TikTok are comparing themselves to, you know, to 14 year olds, it's, it's, it is very disturbing. So these are the massive global forces at work that train us to be critical of how we look, especially if we're women, but it affects men and people of all genders Mm -hmm. also. And, you know, and find ourselves lacking and buy things that don't work to help us feel better that make us feel shittier. But in the space where there are different views and different theories and schools of thought, I feel it's unhelpful, therefore, for people to then be attacking each other. Completely unhelpful. When we are all working towards the, I guess this is activism for you, isn't it? But we're all working towards <laughs> trying to make a difference. The more hate email you get, the more emphasis, the more, you know, influence yeah. you're having. Look on the bright side, Jeff. Yes, yeah, it's true. It, you know, I always said when we got our first trolling on Daily Mail, we made it. <laughs> I know people say like, you know, I, I will know. I will know I'm getting somewhere when I have enemies. Right. Because that's a sign, and I'm I'm laughing, but it's also true. That is a sign that we are actually challenging the systems of power, which benefit from ageism and racism and sexism and ableism, right? That enable them to exploit people with less privilege, whatever shape, size, color that privilege assumes, right? And and when it starts to affect the bottom line or their, their sense of themselves, then we get pushback. And that's a sign you're getting somewhere. But what if the pushback is people who think they're on the same side? Um, I think the best thing you can do is to just point out gently that we are on the same side. Mm. I mean, I, Paulina, when I see these pictures of her looking like my jaw drops, she's so beautiful saying, oh, another rough day. I sort of want to punch her. But <laughs> on the other hand, you know, I think it's brave what she's doing. I can't imagine the forces on models and actresses. Well, that's how I see it. She is 
a champion, Madonna too, lover mm -hmm. or gamer. She has spoken out against ageism from the get-go. Right. These are all warriors in a fight that benefits us all and they are taking risks. Look at the system, fine. Criticize, critique the system, but not the product of the system. I had this debate about Madonna as well, where somebody said, well, she, but she's had all this work done. She doesn't, she's got all that money. She doesn't need to feel good about her. Uh, she doesn't care. And I said, she's grown up in a society and a system and an industry that is completely patriarchal profits off youth. Misogynist, straight misogynistic. up. Fair play to her, understandably, is going to affect you. And I and I see the same with Paulina. I think, for me, posting a picture of her on the cover of Elle is not about saying, this is what you must look like. We're not saying this is representing every single woman out there. What we're saying is, over the 10 years ago, if that, this industry, this magazine, may not have even considered her worth putting on the cover. Yes, it might be because they want to sell magazines, but the fact that they think she is relevant enough to now put her on the magazine is a move forward. Representation is key. Same much, you know, so much babble around the Golden Bachelor. I'm not a fan, but on the other hand, I think it's wonderful that the show exists. They don't yeah. pretend they're not older, and no. it is fantastic to have older people on TV. A, B, C, D, and E. And yeah. F is to show older people as sexual beings who are pursuing, you know, physical pleasure and romantic relationships right through, you know, into their 70s and 80s. And that is a really important message. So kudos to them. We are on the same team. And I think it's important to remember as well, progress is not overnight, change is not overnight. It might not also be linear. It can move and swings and rounds about. It can also move like a pendulum until you get to the point of equilibrium. I think also they want to see transformation overnight. So that maybe is what also then sparks this anger yeah. because they're not seeing what they want to see without realising that it's going to take time all movements, looking at all movements of activism, things didn't change overnight. Yeah. And also, I would put it out there, there's no movement out there around inequality and discrimination that has successfully eradicated it as a whole to this point, has no. it? No. But there's been progress. En enormous progress, uh, you know, especially on the age front um, in the last few years, which right. I think is because other social justice movements paved the ground. Agreed. So to say, you know, we are more aware, progressive people everywhere in the world, about the need to speak out against transphobia, mm -hmm. homophobia, racism. Mm -hmm. To add age to that list, what about age, is a much smaller ask yes. than it would have been, you know, even 15 years ago. So I'm, I'm hugely optimistic and I have tons of evidence for that. You know, it's tough. One, one, one thing I'm always asking people to do is zoom out. Mm -hmm. Look at what forces are operating in Paulina's life. What do you have in common? What are you both up against? Mm. That's the thing to be railing about without getting bogged down in whether it's good or bad that mm -hmm. she's not wearing a shirt. Who cares? Right. One of the things that you've also talked about is how primarily it's women who are driving this movement around age. Why do you think that is? For all the reasons we've just covered, Jessica. Yeah. The stakes are higher mm -hmm. and we're braver. I always remember something you said, that ageism is the first form of prejudice that a middle-class, white, heterosexual male will experience. Typically, yeah. yeah. If he breaks his foot, has to use a wheelchair for a while, he's going to bounce into ableism, you know? Yeah. If he, uh, if, if, uh, he realizes he's gay, he's going to hit homophobia. So it always mm. depends on yes. individual circumstances. But it is often the first form of bias that white men encounter. And I have been waiting for more white guys to get on the bandwagon. I've started to sort of encourage them in my speaking. But, you know, shit takes time. And the stakes for them are less high because it kicks in later and less fiercely than it does for women. I, I think there are some brilliant male activists and advocates out there, sure. but perhaps they aren't um, always understanding the nuances of points of intersectionality as a result. It's hard. There's so much that I didn't understand. Mm. I mean, I knew a lot about gender because I have identified for a right. long time as a feminist and wrote a book about women who ended their marriages, which, mm -hmm. which educated me a lot about patriarchy. Mm -hmm. But, um, I mean, here's an embarrassing example. I used to start my main talk um, with a point that my worst fear was ending up drooling in some grim institutional hallway. 
-hmm. And my niece is a physician. And she said, auntie, she called me up one day. A lot of my patients drool and they really hate it and are embarrassed by it. And I wish you wouldn't say that anymore. Mm -hmm. I don't say that anymore. Mm -hmm. And I'm mortified in hindsight, but I didn't know it wasn't okay. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we are all learning and we all are going to put our foots in our mouths. The best thing we can do is acknowledge, you know, is, is to be open to being and and not try not to get defensive and not beat ourselves up and recognize again, we have these stereotypes. We have these biases ingrained within us. Be kind to ourselves and and try And that's, I think that applies, you know, in the other direction too, Jess. And I, I, a, a colleague, white man, who's very involved in this and he's starting to get invitations. And he said, you know, a lot of these organizations, I don't really agree with their position. They're all about being ageless or aging Mm -hmm. successfully. Should I still, you know, take the gig? And I said, if we only talk to people who agreed with us, we'd just be talking the three of us all the time. Absolutely. (laughs) And be gently challenging where you can, but you will find many places to meet them where they are without trying to make anyone feel guilty or defensive. Mm. So I want to take it back, right, to when you started, because you very kindly said that I've been talking about it for some time, but you've been talking about it for longer. And you have been a fundamental trailblazer in this entire movement. You spoke on the TED stage back, I think it's 2017, is that right? Sounds right, or 18. 17, 18. My notes say 17. Let's t- let's go with the notes. Definitely. <laughs> notes much better than my memory. My memory's never been any good. And let's be honest here. Talking about ageism in 2017 was not that big a topic, right? But your TED Talk has had positive repercussions. It's been shared so much. How did you get into this space, first of all? And how have you seen it develop? Uh, You know, I've I've never had a plan. I I started thinking about it in my mid-50s when I realized that this, you know, getting old thing was actually happening to me. I Mm -hmm. think... I, I think some of our reluctance is conditioned. It seems icky and scary, but also yeah. biological. You know, it's hard to imagine getting old, but I was like, mm-hmm. oh, wait, yeah, it's happening. And I'm really apprehensive about it. And so being a nerdy person, I started learning about longevity and interviewing older people. And it became obvious really early on that, that my view of late life was way off base way too negative, that the reality was much more nuanced and interesting and rich, and that the obstacle, the reason so few people knew, know these things is because of age bias, of, of, of internally, because as we've already said, the first most important step is to look at your own attitudes towards yeah. age and aging you know, where do they come from? You know, and the fears are real. You're not going to hear me saying, oh, just, you know, cheer up. It'll all be fine. Right. But our fears are so out of proportion to the reality. So where, what's feeding those fears and who benefits from them? And the more I thought about that, the more pissed off I got, because I mean, that's a little bit wrong. I don't know. You know, the more, I, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, I am a political person when I think something is this sounds very pretentious, but you know, uh, I was wrong. You know, it's wrong <laughs> to feed people's baseless fears so you can sell things to them, whether it's medical treatments or you know, wrinkle cream. Yeah. And all prejudice, and I didn't understand this for years, but all prejudice feeds our fears in mm-hmm. order to divide people who would otherwise unite forces and challenge the status quo that exploits and demeans us. And Mm -hmm. I find that a really good thing to be up against. So I got up against it and I stayed there. I'm very dogged. You know, I remember like just begging people, you know, to put ageism on the agenda as line item 47B, or, you know, just to reference it or, or invite me to speak in a church basement and, you know, for seven people for free, anyone who wanted to hear what I had to say. And, you know, that has really really changed. I am incredibly um, gratified and excited by all the changes happening. If you go to old school, oldschool.info, we didn't even have a campaign section when we started. The World Health Organization, Help Age International, launched a global 
anti-ageism three-year campaign this October called Older Not Over. Ageism Awareness Day started in Australia yes. three years ago. Nobody heard about it. The next year, some people heard about it. This year, the American Society on Aging got behind it, and a lot more people heard about it. We shared it. We were taking part. Yeah. Yeah. So concrete evidence of social change is rare. I have a ton of it. We did a poll, actually, recently on our Instagram, and approximately it was roughly 90% of those responded said they'd wish they had been more tuned into ageism as a movement when they were younger. Do you wish that you had been more involved? You're, you're, you're always asking me questions I've never um, been asked before, which I love. I think I am unusual in that I'm sort of a cloddish and a late bloomer and arrive at things slowly and late. I mean, it didn't occur to me till two years after I had published my book about women and divorce that I had had my consciousness raised. And then I'm like smacking myself on the head and oh, right. that's how it works. Mm-hmm. I have been self-employed for a long time and have a busy social life. So I didn't, I, I and I'm also sort of thick skin and inobservant. So I'm sure I experienced age bias, but sort of didn't realize it or it didn't mm-hmm. affect my life the way it does so many other women, especially in the workforce and the dating pool. Um, I will say in the abstract, absolutely, the earlier in life we can become aware of these forces, the less likely we are to get on this hamster wheel of age denial. Mm-hmm. And the, then the, the more open we are to all the ways in which aging enriches us, which we are already know, because find me a single thoughtful person of any age mm-hmm. who wants to go back to their youth. Mm. Like nobody, we all know, no matter how ageist we are, no matter how ignorant we may be about the process of aging, that our years are what make us us and that they enrich us. And for women, of course, we age into voice and power that was not available to us when we were younger because we were trying to please too many other masters. So I'm a governor of an all-girls school and this is all girls aged four to 18. And I was really enthused when I went back and gave a talk about six, six, seven months ago. The school said to me, please talk about ageism. And what I thought was really, really encouraging was how engaged the audience was and also how they were also wanting to challenge me, but in a, you know, a thought provoking way. A girl put her hand up and she said, she was particularly talking about the bias cut. Is the bias cut, it says it's age inclusive, but is it at its core or is it more just performative? I thought, well done. That's the kind of question you, we need other people being asked. This is the kind of thought process that we need. And it was really great. And I think this girl was, you know, about maybe years 15 or something. Yeah. I mean, another reason to be optimistic about the movement against ageism is that it is starting to go into schools. Mm-hmm. And, and two, two examples, I live in Brooklyn, New York, and the Department of Aging is teaming yes. with the Department of Education to develop, and they're, they're uh, piloting, and it will be available on the old school clearinghouse, a curriculum for teaching high school kids. Yes, about I've read aging. about this. This is brilliant. I was also just in Japan. My book came out in Japan, and I didn't know about this at the time, but it's on my website. You can see a link to a really good piece, about a six or seven minute piece on their NHK, which is their sort of BBC Mm -hmm. in English, Mm -hmm. which has me, blah, blah, blah. And then it goes to a middle school in Japan. Brilliant. Where these kids are discussing energetically the concept of ageism. It is a lesson for all ages. And young kids, I think, have a really fierce sense of justice and injustice, you know, Agreed. That, that I think this, this steps into, you know, every time someone doesn't listen to them because they're just a kid, right. that's ages. Right. Do you ever have, and did you ever have people say to you, why focus on ageism though? Because <laughs> isn't that a bit of a, a privileged issue? Isn't racism more important? Isn't, you know, feminism yeah. more important? Have you ever had that? Um, I, I have thought about it a lot. Um, I think people don't say it to me because they figured there's probably no changing my mind, but, but I have had to think about it a lot. It has bugged me in the, in the sense that it is hard to get younger progressive people to add it to their agenda. And, and that, that is that, what comes up quite often. Is, that's, it's from that's those, what comes up for me people. and it drives yeah. me nuts. And I think there is a perception that ageism 
is something of an elite white person problem. But last I checked, people of color get old too. Mm. A better world to grow old in is a, I mean, it sounds cheesy, but it is a better world for everyone. And the fact that that not everyone gets to grow old is not a reason not to advocate against ageism. It is a reason to up our efforts against racism, against mm. sexism, against mm. ableism, so that more people get to grow old. It's never zero sum. Becoming anti-ageist means supporting every struggle for equal rights. I mean, I am now really I mean, focused on it, focused on isn't even the right idea. It's just a pervasive priority to to work, and it's slow, awkward work, but to make sure that the movement to end ageism represents us all. And the way for yes. me to do that is to support, you know, to learn how to be more effective and anti-racist, to yes. continue my work as a feminist for forever to elevate the voices of women and so on to to meet those groups where they are so that they will then say hey maybe there's something in what she's talking about but it's never zero sum when we work against any form of prejudice no matter what it is and i do feel i should say that i think in america racism deserves our special attention because of the ugly way it is embedded in our history but yes. when you do something to address racism it is an anti-ageist act too because you are making the world better for you know people of color as they grow old and hopefully yeah. enabling more of them to age so it is the opposite of zero sum equity mm. is the opposite of a zero sum game how do you think we can get this message across more you're saying about younger people i've seen brands who talk about equality and diversity even sadly remove age from their manifesto remove it mm-hmm huh well, sick, sick me on them. I mean, I was just going to give a, a, a simple answer, which obviously won't do the job, which is to say when people say we need, you know, people of all genders and all races and all abilities say gently, you and know, age. what about, what about age? Yep. I've seen it removed. For what reason? It's just perhaps from their perspective, it's not a priority for their consumers for because perhaps they are targeting a younger consumer age cooties because yeah. they are ageist i mean that's right. really clear sometimes i say you know hitch age to the intersectional sled you know age is obviously a criterion for diversity so maybe you say it seems to me age is a criterion for diversity why does it not seem that way to you you know mm-hmm. or that's not a good way to put it say what do you think yes you know you don't want to put someone on the defensive but this is you know gee you know, what do you think or what, what's, you know, what's the rationale here? And if they say age is icky or I don't want to turn people away because people don't want to think about age, we'll say that used to be, we used to think that way about queer people. Yeah. You know, we used to think that way about people of color and we've made some progress. So how about making some progress on the age front? Because mm. what you have described is just what I call scientifically age cooties. Age is icky. We don't want to have it on yeah. there. We don't want to think about wrinkles on old people. Yeah. And that's not okay. No. And they know it's not okay. They know it's not okay. That's why I said it's pointing. I know. So I get a lot of people say to me, you know, why do you care? Why are you even involved? Aren't you too young to be doing this? Then there's a converse to that. I have actually more and more peers who say to me, I'm really, really interested in what you're doing. You're making me feel better about getting older. But with the original group, what I'm also personally experiencing at times is people saying, you almost don't deserve to have a space or a voice in this movement because you're too young. <laughs> As I a mean, finger up to the mic. <laughs> How can we stop certain people from almost dictating, co-opting who can talk about it in the first place? Well, of course, it depends on who's doing the talking in that yeah. second group. I mean, one thing to point out is, which is really important, is that ageism is any judgment on the basis of age and right. that young people experience a lot of it too. Yes. Have they ever been dismissed or ignored as women are all the time? You say something and then a man says the same thing five minutes later and it's told as genius, but if a woman says it, it's dismissed. Have you ever been dismissed or silenced because you were too young, had trouble getting a job. That is ageism. Second reason, of course, is that everyone is aging. 
we're aging from the minute we're born. Yeah. It's not something icky and sad that old people do. Age is the one universal human experience. From my experience, what I see is a lot of people with age who maybe have increasingly felt invisible as they've gotten older. Now they have a space that they feel seen in and they feel a movement that they can connect with. As a result, there's an exclusionary element to it where they feel, <sighs> right, it's for me now. I, as I say, I don't think somebody younger, for example, should be talking about this because they don't have these issues. First of all, should we change it? Do you agree, Do you agree with that? And second of all, can we change it? We have to meet people where they are, which I am getting better at, you know, instead of being, um, you know, a battle axe. And if older women, I mean, when you say invisible, that's what I think of is older women experience that more. If they have a yeah. group of older women who are talking about, you know, rocking their socks and wearing whatever they want to wear or making as much noise as they want to, whatever being visible or being seen or feeling confident in their age looks like to them, more power to them. We are all on the same team. But I think that it's easy it's easy for older people to forget that being young is hard too. So by pointing out things like that, you know what we want, the, the, I think the most short and tactical answer to your question is to bring mixed age groups together, to have conversations it's like you and I are having right yeah. now to talk about why it is a problem for all of us. I mean, I know that being friends with me has made all my younger friends less apprehensive about getting older. Mm -hmm. And it has made me grateful to them for being connected to things that I wouldn't otherwise know about. And it comforts me that they are going to push my damn wheelchair if I ask them to, because I know that they are. And, and I, you know, almost choke up when I say that. And I know it's thanks to knowing them that I, I, I hope I don't end up in a wheelchair, but maybe I will, that I feel less fear and no shame around mm -hmm. that and that's hard that's taken some work so you know so it's a huge gift to me it so happens that my two co-creators of the old school clearinghouse are both in their 30s and when mm -hmm. people show up and see us talking about this stuff if they listen they'll see like it matters to them like it matters to right. us as a matter of social justice that affects every human on the planet are there particular countries you feel are driving the activism and driving this movement around ageism or do you think it's quite widespread? Um, well, you know, I I don't have a you know magic data cruncher. We could ask ChatGBT. Uh, <laughs> it'd be interesting to see what they come up. With. I do. I mean, Australia was the first country to develop and launch a national anti-ageism initiative. Yes. And just one plug again: old, the old school clearinghouse, oldschool.info. Anything I mention. Go look at it there, enter Australia, you'll be taken to the campaign. So I, I would give Australia huge props and honestly, the UK. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a whole lot of age-friendly initiatives with, with mm -hmm. that local small, you know, towns yeah. and cities and municipalities have jumped on, many of which, you know, address ageism explicitly. Yeah. And, you know, uh, we're making progress in the US and in Canada, uh, but, you know, it, it is very definitely a global movement. It's interesting because when I was interviewed by Le Monde, the French paper, they observed, and they were asking me my opinion on this, that they felt the UK was much further ahead than the rest of Europe. I think that's my impression. I mean, not that I'm the center of the universe and my book is, you know, the Bible, but a little litmus test is where has my book been translated? It has mm. not been translated. It came out in the UK right away. Right. Not into German. Well, to be fair, you didn't need to translate for that. <laughs> there you go. Not in the UK, not in, not in German yet, not in mm -hmm. Spanish, Interesting. not in Portuguese, not in mm. French, but mm. just came out in Japan, came out in Turkish, came out in, um, in uh, Korea right away. Mm -hmm. It's in, in, it's in Chinese editions in both mainland Chinese and, and Taiwan. There's the point is there's an appetite and a market there that there's been, they've observed that. Yeah, you know, I think it's a bit of an indicator, you know, we're still pushing uphill, but we are reaching, you didn't use the phrase tipping points, um, and a movement needs a million of them. And every time you make progress, then there's pushback, mm. as we see, you know, cataclysmically in the case of women's rights here in the United mm. States. Mm. But that is a sign that you are getting somewhere, and the pendulum swings back again. Why do you think it is so important to have these tipping points? Because we talked about this on other episodes about Me Too, for example. 
And some people have questioned whether Me Too, has that paved the way? People say the Occupy movement here failed. No, it didn't. You know, it, it, it presented a whole radical model of a non-hierarchical organizing. It put a, this mm. really valuable phrase into the, into the world. It's very hard to map the, mm. the effects of any given action. That's why I'm so excited. The UK is launching a really, really good national ageism aging campaign with the Center yes. for Aging Better in the beginning of 2024. That's really exciting and it's really, really exciting. So there are more, and again, go to the campaigns section of the old school clearinghouse for more examples. There is tangible evidence of culture change. So the reason we need these tipping points is because awareness precedes action. Most bias is unconscious. We can't challenge something that we're not aware of. So each of these, you can't tell who's going to be listening. You can't mm -hmm. tell who got fired the day before, who is suddenly mm -hmm. in a mood to get the memo or who got the job of their dreams yesterday and said, oh, ageism, it's not a problem for me. You have to throw a million pebbles in the pond and see what ripples into what. I do feel COVID had played a role actually in that as well. I think COVID brought people together virtually. Mm -hmm. How's that for a brilliant insight? Um, <laughs> especially women. You know, women started yeah. coming together around this. And I'm very, very uh, excited about all that sort of coming together. I would love more of those groups to be involved women of all ages. Yeah. Um, because, you know, we're all up against the same monster. But I think COVID, um, while horrible, obviously, brought age and aging and disability out of the dark corners into the middle of the room in a way that was a positive thing for age and ageism awareness. You do get people who go, you know, I'm exhausted. I'm tired of fighting. I'm tired of pushing. I'm tired of throwing these pebbles in a pond. And there's so many issues out there. There's so many problems. They do feel a bit disillusioned. They do feel a bit exhausted by this need to keep the motor running. How can we encourage them to keep going? Take a week off. <laughs> but, you know, take some time off. Go read some junkie yeah. fiction. But not everyone is an activist. If mm. the world were full of activists, it would be intolerable. <laughs> really, imagine, really. imagine a world of, of just us. We would have. Been. But when you, when you take any step to to look at to understand aging better, to look at the ways in which you have internalized negative you know, attitudes about aging, to say something when someone calls you young lady, you know, well, why would you call me that? Mm. Even if all you do, and it's not a small thing, is start to think about this, you change. You change yourself. Even if all, the only thing you do is stop buying those horrible birthday cards or turn them over, no action is too small. It's never too late. Mm -hmm. You don't have to do it every week. No one is keeping score. But simply by listening to this podcast, right, or spending 30 seconds on old school, right. you are learning and you cannot help but take that knowledge into yourself in a way that changes the way you relate to your own age and to your peers. And that in itself is activism. Mm -hmm. You know, just be a human in the world who wakes up a day older and refuses to be embarrassed about it. That's a radical act. That's enough. It's all enough. So the two questions that I ask of all our guests. So first of all, what does ending ageism look like to you? You know, that's another question that I don't have a good answer for. We will end ageism when we end racism, when we topple patriarchy, you know, when we, when we end ableism is probably the prejudice with which it is deep, most deeply intertwined stigma and bias around how our brains or bodies function and look. So will we ever end any of these? Will we, will we evolve into some, you know, multicolored rainbow uh, soup where none of those characteristics um, give people an advantage? I don't think so, but I see that we are making progress against all of them. And I see it as cumulative and all these efforts building on each other. And how can we, each of us be an advocate or activist for positive change here? even on the smallest scale? Well, the first and hardest step is to look at your own attitudes towards age and aging. Mm -hmm. What assumptions pop into your head? When, when does age come up? Literally, when does it pop into your head or when does it show up in conversations? Because it shows up a lot of places where it doesn't need to be. I mean, here's an example around race, just something I've had to learn and it's embarrassing to admit, 
but if you live in a mostly white world, which I do, uh, in the olden days, you know, if a, a friend, a, a black friend um, showed up, I would mention their race. Not relevant, right? right? And I had to yeah. learn. I don't say my white friends mm -hmm. were all there. So that's no. why I had to break no. the habit of referring to people who weren't white because that was the way I realized, like, I was blinded by the whiteness all around me, right? To see it as the default. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Age is the same, especially when we live in such an age-segregated society, especially in the U.S. So it seems different or exceptional or weird to have a much older or younger friend. Why? Challenge that. Listen to the way you use the words old and young. Listen to whether you yes. use age as a reason to do something or not do something, as a reason to sit next to someone mm. or not sit next to someone. And just train yourself to be more aware of that. And don't jump on yourself. You know, we all do this. I do it all the time. We all do it. But just the first thing is to be aware and then to maybe try and work on breaking the habit, for example, of just making a beeline for people your own age in a meeting, in a group. If you are a manager or something, is everyone in the room the same age? Well, we notice now if it's all men. We notice now if it's all white people. If it's all young people or all older people, that's a problem too. Well, thank you so much, Ashton. It has been such a pleasure to speak to you. You are constantly the greatest. an inspiration for Huge me fan. personally. Likewise, to say the least. And everything you say always gets me thinking. And I really hope everyone has enjoyed today's episode. You're so welcome. Thank, thank you, you so much. So there you have it. Whatever you call it, activist, advocate, or simply just compassionate human being, we all have it within us to make a difference and champion age inclusivity. It might involve participating in a global campaign, protesting or petitioning, or it might simply mean reflecting on your own internalised biases and how, when and where you refer to age. Whatever form, whatever scale, it makes a difference and that really shouldn't be undervalued. Even down to the fact that you've listened to this very podcast, in doing so you've taken a positive step towards changing the narrative and eradicating ageism. So truly, thank you. The next episode of Ageism is Never in Style, the podcast, will be the very last one of this series. And it will be a bit of an unusual episode, as I won't be joined by a special guest. No, instead I will be my own guest, as I explore ageism and me. After all, I've been interviewing others on ageism and encouraging them to reflect on their own experiences, so it's only fair that I do the same. In the episode, I'll be discussing and sharing my personal experiences and journey to date, as well as my hopes for 2024 and the future. Plus, I'll be answering commonly asked questions. For example, how and why did I become an anti-ageist activist at 24? So if you do have any questions for me that you'd love me to answer, then please do drop us a message in advance by Sunday the 17th of December. You can do so via Instagram, LinkedIn or email at ageismisneverinstyle at thebiascut.com. And as always, make sure to subscribe so you don't miss the episode and you'll be able to listen via Spotify, Apple Music and Amazon Music. Until then, as always, I really do hope you enjoyed this episode and found it inspiring because we are seeing progress. That's undeniable. It may not always be linear and it may not always be as fast as we want, but together we are making a difference and that matters. So here's to continuing to supporting one another as we collectively fight the good fight.